break from the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to be in Philippians uh, this week. And so, uh, Sant, he was on his car ride listening to like 13 hours of sermons on the, the last two chapters of Matthew, and he was like, I got to preach on them. I was like, okay, great. And so I'm preaching on something else. Um, and so he's going to come back in two weeks and finish up uh, most of Matthew. We'll, we probably have like three sermons left in Matthew, and then we'll be done after, I don't know, two or three years in Matthew. So um, we're getting there, all right? Uh, but today, uh, we're going to be looking at Philippians 4. And uh, as Paul finishes up his letter to the Philippians, uh, which he wrote from his jail cell, uh, he is encouraging Christians who are struggling with the issue of anxiety. And um, since it's something that we all struggle with at one time or another, or live with, um, I thought it would be really important for us to go to Philippians 4, and particularly verses 6 and 7, uh, which these are kind of my jam. They're my go-to uh, because as I'll share in a few minutes, uh, this is something that I struggle with a lot uh, throughout my life. And so let's stand and read God's word. Philippians 4, and I'm going to just read 4 through 7 for the context. So hear God's word to you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You guys can take a seat. All right. So as I was preparing today, um, I was thinking about this, that there are events in all of our lives at one time or another that drastically change the way that we think or the way that we live. And for me, uh, one of those examples is back in my college days. Um, It was probably the fall of my senior year in college. And at that time, uh, they we were going through a great recession in our economy. So 2007, they kind of label it as the Great Recession. I think one article I looked at said 2007 to 2009. But as my classmates and I looked out on the job market, things didn't look so well, right? So as we were graduating, we knew that our time in college, our playtime was up. It was time to go be big boys and big girls and go get jobs. And so as we looked out on that perspective market, we saw things like job loss. We saw companies that weren't hiring. We saw the housing market collapse. We saw people's banks, or people's banks and their foundations being shaken. People's retirement money being slashed. People having to delay their retirement to even longer in order to do so. Well, thankfully, um, I had a job lined up out of college. There was only one catch. I had to go and raise the money. (laughs) So I had a job lined up, but I had to go and raise the money for my salary um, with our work with Campus Outreach because we were going to be missionaries to the college campus. But we realized very quickly that it was a hard time to raise support. Um, It was a hard time to cast a vision for a work and get donors that will come behind you and be a part of that work. And we spent a long, long time going from place to place to place raising our support to work with college students. But you know, one of the effects of the Great Recession is an increase in anxiety in our everyday lives. 
increase in anxiety in our everyday lives. And anxiety is really a common response for all of us when we have these things that kind of shake us to the core or these things that challenge what we believe or challenge what we think is going to happen. It gets at the core of who we are and what we trust or think and believe is true. And I think Paul knew this as he was writing to a struggling congregation who was going through persecution and going through trials and going through hard times. And as he closed his letter, he gave them one final exhortation on the topic of anxiety that we're going to look at today. And I really hope that it's going to serve as an encouragement for all of us as we kind of wrestle through this issue of anxiety. And so we're going to see this. The main point is this, that as Christians, we're not to be anxious. That's one of the opening commands, not to be anxious, but rather through thankful prayer, we are to let the peace of God guard our hearts and minds in the difficult times of life. And so first we see a command of not letting anxiety take us over, but then also the way to do that through prayerful or thankful prayer Um, And we're going to see that in two ways. So first, let's look at our response to anxiety. Verse 6, look with me there. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So you see that first command. Don't be anxious, right? Well, you may think, like I did when I first read that, I'm like, okay, well, that command doesn't feel all that helpful, right? It's kind of like if, you know, a scenario that happens in my, in my life a lot. In the middle of the night, my daughter is scared. She's coming and runs into our room. Maybe she has a nightmare or something like that. And all I do is just say, stop it. Stop being scared. Right? And, and I do say that because it's 3 a.m. in the morning. But I say, stop being scared. It's not all that helpful to her, Right? Because she, she's probably scared for who knows what, maybe something she watched on TV or something she heard from a friend, whatever it is. But that command maybe didn't seem all that helpful at that time. And of course, I'm not thinking very clearly, and I'm actually very angry that she woke me up at 3 a.m. But let's hold that thought because I don't think that's what's going on here as we look at this command not to be anxious. Let's first understand what is anxiety. What is anxiety? Is it just maybe a feeling inside of our heads? Or maybe just a physical response to something? Or is it maybe purely psychological, just in our heads? See, the word here means to be overly concerned about something. Overly concerned about something. And what was interesting, as I was studying this word in the Bible there is something for us to understand that there is, on the one hand, good concern, good concern about things, but there's also bad concern, okay? So there is, in the Bible, both good concern and anxiety, if you want to use that word, and then bad concern, anxiety. It's not bad to show concern or to think deeply about something because it shows that you care about it, that you're being responsible, That you you see this as a part of your responsibility and you need to do the best you can no matter what it is. For example, maybe we're concerned about our child's health and their development. Maybe it's a particular issue that they're going through and we need to be concerned about them enough to say, I care about their development. And that's a good thing, right? Maybe it's also a good thing, for example, to be concerned about putting away some money for when you can no longer work. 
right? In general, that's a pretty good principle to say, okay, I know one day my body is going to give out. I'm going to lose all my hair for me more quickly than not. But I, and I, I'm going to need help to get through when I can't work any longer. So I'm going to put money away. Or maybe it's a concern to say, I have a particular work project that I'm working really hard on. The deadline's coming up, and I want to do a good job at this project. I want to glorify God in my work and in this job. Those are all good things to be concerned about. But what Paul reminds us is that there is a line that can be crossed so easily. A line that can be crossed from good concern to over-concern. Good worry to over-worrying. And that danger there is subtle. It is a subtle jump from good concern to sinful anxiety. How quickly in the thick of it can we turn from godly concern to sinful concern in whatever situation we find ourselves in? See, what anxiety does is it, when it happens, we take our eyes off of God. You know, one of the songs we're talking about is uh, asking God to, to fix our eyes on him. Well, what, cons- what anxiety does is take our eyes off of him onto the thing itself. We begin to interpret our experiences and our problems according to what? Our fears and our worries. That's how we process that. Instead of thinking about it according to God and his word, we start interpreting this experience through our fears and our worries. See, at the core of anxiety stems a distrust of God, a displacing of God in the center of our hearts and in our minds. One author, Jerry Bridges, puts it this way. Suppose someone you love were to say to you, I don't trust you. I don't believe you love me and will care for me. What an affront that would be to you. Yet that is what, sorry, that is what we are saying to God by our anxiety. Imagine that. If we were to say that to our wife or to our husband or to our child, I don't believe you. I don't love you. I don't believe you have my best in mind, but that's exactly what we are saying to God when we are anxious, when we give in to our anxiety. And that's why Paul is so adamant here saying this is a grievous sin before the Lord. So what is it for you and for me that makes us anxious? It may be different for each person. What do you struggle to trust God with? What are the areas of your life that you're tempted to worry and to think that God is not going to take care of you? So again, maybe it's your kids. Maybe for you, your kids, just it, there's things left and right that make you anxious. Maybe their schooling and their education, or maybe their health, maybe their development, maybe the friends that they have. Or maybe for another person, it's money. It's the bills that keep coming in. It's the the loans or the unexpected cost or the debt that you have that makes you over-concerned, repeating things again over and over and over in your head, and you just can't let it go. It's gripping you, consuming you. Maybe it's your future. Where am I going to be in five years? What's my five-year plan? Where am I going to be in a year from now? Maybe it's marriage and singleness. Am I always going to be single forever? These things are things that get at the core of our hearts and minds and turn us away from the Lord. 
But all of this, I think, begs the question, how? How are you and I not going to be anxious? God's given us this command, don't be anxious, but then how? How do we do this? And that's what the second part of this verse is all about. Because we see the answer. God doesn't leave us hanging. He says that you are to continue in prayer and thanksgiving, making your requests known to God through constant prayer. Let's look back at verse 6. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So a major part of our response to our anxiety is prayer. And not just prayer in general, but prayer with thanksgiving. Notice that Paul says, in everything. And this is in contrast to the previous statement, which he said, do not be anxious about anything. So pray in everything. Don't be anxious about anything. And secondly, also that this prayer is coupled with thanksgiving. So as we are anxious, we pray saying, God, thank you. Thank you for X, Y, and Z. Thank you for what you've done in my life. But why do you think that thanksgiving and prayer are so powerful in combating anxiety? I thought about that this week as I was studying. Why is prayer and thanksgiving so powerful in helping us through the battle of anxiety? Well, think about it this way. The root of anxiety is unbelief. We, we talked about that a minute ago, right? The, the I don't trust you, I don't think you're going to take care of me, God, statements. And yet Thanksgiving reminds us that this isn't true. Thanksgiving reminds us that God is in control, that he has pulled through and will continue to pull through. And so when I'm struggling with an issue with my finances and I'm being anxious about it, replaying it over and over and over again in my mind, I need to remind myself that God has pulled through. And I need to turn that to a thankful prayer. Thank you, God. You have provided for me in the past. And therefore, I know you're going to provide for me in the future. And that cuts the root of anxiety. But also think about it this way. What is prayer? Prayer is an expression of our dependence on the one who is independent. It's an expression of our weakness to the one who is all-powerful. That's why prayer unravels our anxiety, why it takes it away, because it gives to God what is his concern and to us what is our concern. Anxiety is caused when we take more concern than we need. We take that from God. We are over-concerned about what God alone should be concerned about. We try to take on more than we can handle instead of being faithful with a little bit that God has given us to be faithful with. And so that is why prayer severs the root of anxiety in us. And so what does God want us to do when we get anxious about whatever it is? He wants us to pray and to pray constantly and continually. Yes, to repent of that sin of anxiety, but also to pray with thanksgiving to say, God, thank you for working in these various ways. Help me to believe that you will continue to work in these ways in the future. In doing so, what it does is it reorients our hearts and it right-sizes the problem that is before us that's causing us to be anxious, right? 
So now no longer am I being anxious about my finances because I realize, look, God's, God, he has provided in the past for me and for my family. And so then I'm thankful. And as I'm thankful, that kind of right-sizes that problem. I start to be less anxious. And I start to remember that God is in control and then that he is going to provide. And the anxiety begins to diminish. Well, as we turn to the final verse for today, I think God wants to show us what happens when we do this. What happens when we do this? And that's the result of our response to our anxiety. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Think about this with me for a minute. What more does an anxious person want than peace? What more does an anxious person want than peace? To an anxious person, peace seems so elusive, so out of reach, so out of touch. But that's what they want the most. So what do we try to do sometimes? Well, we try to self-medicate our anxiety through all kinds of things. And it's different probably for each one of us. For some of us or some of those that struggle with anxiety, it may be, it may be a particular drug. Maybe uh, an illegal one or a prescription drug or whatever it is. Maybe for others it's alcohol. A few drinks at nighttime or more than that to just take away the problems that are going inside of our mind. Maybe others of us run to food. Food is our comfort. And therefore we go to the foods that we like to help try to take away that anxiety that we feel. Maybe it's busyness. Work. We bore ourselves down into our work trying to escape the anxiety of whatever it is that we are struggling with. Maybe it's our play or our hobbies. Maybe it's exercise or whatever. I know that I'm guilty of running to many of these things and trying to see these as a way to find some kind of peace. See, like I said earlier, anxiety has been a big part of my adult life ever since college. I've struggled with anxiety over a lot of different things. One of the big things that I struggle with anxiety over is just questions. I'm a thinker. I I mull things over in my head over and over and over again. And for example, when I was in college and when I was um, interacting with tons and tons of people and different worldviews and thought systems and people who said what you believe is garbage, I struggled with questions about my faith. And I would get so anxious as I thought them over and over and over again. My anxiety, whatever it was about, was stronger and more resilient than any of my attempts to get rid of it myself. Sometimes it felt like I just couldn't shake it and it brought me to my knees figuratively and literally at times because I just struggled with the anxiety of those things so much. And yet maybe you can relate to the struggle with that even if it's different for you. It may not be questions. It may be your kids. It may be your finances. It may be your future, whatever it is. But anxiety, I think, attacks all of us. And these things that we try to self-medicate with, they may bring some type of momentary peace. That's true. They may bring us a momentary peace in which is a relief. And look, all these things are not bad. A lot of these things aren't bad. Sleep and food, even alcohol and those things aren't bad for us to enjoy responsibly. And yet we can go to them instead of God. And we are reminded in this text that only God himself can bring the peace that we so desire. 
and we so need and long for. Unless we think that this is kind of a wimpy piece, I want to read this quote uh, that talks about this. It says, uh, detached from its New Testament content, the word peace is a sort of spiritual marshmallow, full of softness and sweetness, but without much actual substance. But if we study the scriptures, which associate peace and God, it is surprisingly full of strength and vigor. See, this peace that God has, this peace that God can bring, is a strong peace. It is a vibrant peace. It is a peace that surpasses all understanding. That when it seems like anxiety is taking control of us, and that we can't fight it, and that we can't beat it, it is God's peace that can do it. And notice what Paul says this peace does. It guards. It guards us. Commentators point out this term is a military term, picturing soldiers standing on guard duty, referring to the guarding of the city gate from within as a control on all who went out. And so God's peace here acts as a guard against the anxiety that seeks to devour our hearts and our minds. We know that anxiety is trying to creep its way in. And yet what God's peace does is it guards us from the enemy. It warns us of the danger of anxiety that is looming in the distance. It fends off the enemy from infiltrating our hearts and our minds. That's what God's peace does for us. And I hope you're getting it that that's such good news for us. Such wonderful news that we have access to God's peace in times and struggles with anxiety. We are not left alone as Christians, but we have this peace in him. And so we've seen today that God calls us not to be anxious. He calls it out for what it is. It is a grievous sin to say, God, I don't trust you. And yet he gives us a remedy. He gives us a solution. He helps us to say, look, when you are struggling with this, repent of that, but also come to me in prayer. Come to me thanking me for what I have done, and I will take care of your anxiety. I will give you my peace. Well, there's an old hymn that we sung, kind of an updated version today, It Is Well With My Soul. And uh, the guy who wrote this hymn, uh, it was a real topic for him, anxiety. Or, or suffering, because what, he, what happened to him and how he was inspired to write this hymn was that he was traveling across the ocean on one ship. His family was traveling across the ocean on a different ship, and he watched his family, uh, basically the ship burned and sunk, and he watched his family die. And shortly after, he penned these words, and he said this, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like seas or sea billows roll, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. See, for him, it wasn't hypothetical. It was a real situation that would have caused all of us grief and anxiety to the uttermost. And yet he said, it is well with my soul. How can this hymn writer say, it is well with my soul? How can we say, 
It is well with my soul, even in the face of things that make us utterly anxious. Because this is not what anxiety says. Anxiety says that if my lot is bad, I need to freak out and do whatever I can to fix it. That's what anxiety says. But peace, God's peace, says it is well with my soul. Whatever happens today, whatever happens tomorrow, it is well with my soul. That's what God's peace says. And my prayer And I think God's prayer for us is that it would be our hearts and minds today, that we would be controlled by the peace of God and not by the constant anxiety that continues to attack us. And that we would do that through thankful, constant prayer. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and for this passage. Um, I hope it's been good for all of us here. I know it's good for me. Every time I come back to these few verses, They are so sweet to me in my battle with anxiety about whatever it is and whatever life stage I'm in. And God, we know, as as one commentator reminded me in my study, that this only takes place in Christ Jesus, in our attachment to him and our fellowship with him, and that apart from him there is no surety or guarantee for peace of mind. And so, God, I pray for us this morning. God, if there's any of us, who are not in you, Jesus, who are not following you, who are not Christians, who I pray, Lord, that today would be the day that they repent of their sin, of anxiety, and everything else, and turn wholly, leaning on Jesus Christ alone, and that, Jesus, you would give them your peace that surpasses all understanding. God, for those of us who are following you, who are in the trenches fighting day by day, trying to be more like you through your Holy Spirit, We pray that you would please give us your peace. God, that anxiety would not rule our hearts and minds, but that your peace would. That you would guard us and fend off the enemy as it seeks to come back time and time again. Because we know Monday's coming and we know all the worries and all the struggles and all the suffering is going to come. And so we pray that you would now guard us in your peace and continue to as we hopefully stay constant in prayer. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you continue to do. We just praise you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand as we sing our final song? Thanks, Pete. That was a great message. We want to end with uh, continuing just to focus our eyes on on Jesus, on our Lord, not ourselves. So let's just take all the things going on in our life and all the anxieties that are trying to get in and divert our focus and attention on the Lord and let him uh, work in our hearts. So we're going to sing, Great Are You, Lord. Give life, you are love, 